0: Over the past year, we've leveraged Vistaprint services to help us on our mission to inspire entrepreneurs of color. They've helped us print stickers, T-shirts, tote bags, mugs, and even snapback hats. Yes, they print just about everything. My point is they print a lot more than just business cards. So as you look for ways to help your small business stand out, think Vistaprint. The printabilities are endless at vistaprint.com.
1: Translating culture, it's just like the current. <laughs> you know, the Holland River is always there, but it's always moving. You gotta understand how to manipulate within the current. <laughs> and so when I say translate culture, I gotta see which way the culture is going. You know? So when there's jazz age, I'm looking at how it is evolving. Right. I'm looking at rock and roll how it's evolving. <laughs> and I'm looking at hip hop how it's evolving. I say, okay, this is what you wanna look at. Yeah. I throw that popsicle there, <laughs> the, you know, see the pickle. I say, how do you want to look? Right. You know, mm-hmm. I asked Eric B and Rockham how do you want to look? Hmm. You know, and I see how they want to look. Eric B is a swag guy, so I swagged them out. Yeah. Rakim is into the nation, you know, 5% of the nation. Right. So I said, I'm like that. I do not dictate how they should look, hmm. which is the problem with the fashion industry the does.
0: You mean they try to tell people what to be versus? Yes,
1: they don't leave it the door open for the culture to evolve on its own. Hmm. They want to direct the culture. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The moment they started, the brands raided me and I went underground, all that changed. All the minority brands that came after me, just think about them, I don't want to call them out. Yeah. Think about them. They did the cookie cutter approach to fashion. They had everybody looking the same. Yeah. You know? And my approach has always been like Burger King. Have it your way.
0: Have it your <laughs> way. Tell me where you want to go, where you want to be. I can help you bring my seat, get you on your feet. I'm Bima, and on today's show, we have Dapper Dan, a fashion legend and icon way before the mainstream fashion world told you about who he was. Born Daniel Day in Harlem, New York, Dapper Dan's designs have been seen on hip hop legends, sports icons, and high fashion runways. A self proclaimed underground designer, Dan's journey began in 1980 when he started making bootleg versions of high end designers for the streets. He'd even buy left behind equipment at auctions supplied by fashion manufacturers that moved overseas. Although Dan felt like he was fashion's best kept secret, more fluent black communities didn't connect with what Dan was doing. He didn't even get press in esteemed black fashion publications. But that wasn't stopping the gangsters, rappers, and even boxers who would come through for services. Hell, there's a legendary story of Mike Tyson getting into a massive street fight in front of his shop. That taught Dan the power of visibility, good and bad. While the world knew his name, shortly after his operation was shut down in 1992. And then famously, in 2017, Gucci knocked off the King of Knockoffs, and Dapper Dan was back in the game. And he's been translating culture to high fashion ever since. In our conversation ahead, Dapper Dan shares a story about doing fashion his way.
1: In order for me to explain what something black is, I need something white. (laughs) (laughs) You know? yes. so if, I gotta tell you what white is yeah, to yeah, explain, explain what explain black, black is, ideas. you know what I mean? Fair. So anyway, the fashion industry was controlled predominantly by whites, hmm. right? And um, I'm not saying it was designed to be that way, but that's just the way it that's was. That's just the way it was. Okay, and so at no time during my trajectory was I part of the staircase of that white staircase, you know, you go. You through. mean there?
0: You had no no contact, contact
1: whatsoever. Okay, with the fashion industry, you know. So I consider that when you come up that trajectory, you come up a white staircase. Mm-hmm. You understand? Know mm-hmm.
0: And the ascend is visibility is quicker, yeah. more acceptable. Knocking down the
1: ceilings, you know, right. the whole thing about, you know, knocking down the glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. So with me, I started on the, you know, on the streets of Harlem, selling to. People of color
0: mm-hmm.
1: primarily with the subculture mm-hmm. the gangsters, and everything like that, because even middle class blacks wouldn't buy it from me, you know mm-hmm. so my entire career up until four years ago, my whole like thirty nine years, forty years in this here mm-hmm. up to four years ago, was completely in a black environment mm-hmm. the first time I even saw a runway show was with My partnership with Gucci in Europe—that was the first runway show I've ever been to. Wow! Everything else that I've engaged in was always black. Hmm. You know? Yeah. In Harlem, like I traveled from here to Chicago, hitting all the black ghettos. Right. And from New York to Atlanta, hitting all the black. So it was entirely a black staircase, and that's what I mean when I say I I came up the black staircase. Black
0: staircase. staircase. Now you—you touched a little bit on it, and I didn't kind of quite realize that. I think we expected maybe just historically that maybe there wouldn't be a direct connection with luxury just based on how things are built. Mm -hmm. But this shunning and maybe not being received by other black people, that's a bit surprising. Oh yeah. What's the reasoning behind that? What do you think is the reasoning,
1: why? Acculturation. When you think about acculturation, that it's just like somebody coming from another country and want to be acculturated, mm. you know. So, I grew up in Harlem. When we had you. You heard about Sugar Hill? Yeah, was sugar. heard about Sugar Hill. There was sugar on that hill. The sugar <laughs> on that, it got the name of Sugar Hill because, like, they had the uppity blacks that lived on Sugar Hill, mm-hmm. and everything like west of. Or Bradhurst Avenue, going up towards Sugar Hill. All those was the opening blacks, hmm. right? And so, and they, like folks that had
0: high education type of thing.
1: Yeah, okay. those were the, yeah, was the promise. And the reason they were there is because they had redlining, meaning that they couldn't get bank loans to get uh, and segregation. So we were all there together. And fortunate for me, I grew up during that time, right? So we would look like people like myself would look down on. Hmm. You understand? Know yeah. So uh, we had to develop a subculture that catered to who we were. Who we were, right. Right? And that's how it developed. So when I say that I didn't have, like, my whole platform was built on the subculture, mm. what they call it, the dark side of the culture, mm-hmm. you know?
0: You weren't being touted in the mainstream. You were really building your whole network
1: <laughs> yeah. under. When you look at it, right? In a way, you can contrast it with Basquiat. (laughs) Look what he represents today. (laughs) He didn't represent that to black people when he was here. Wow. You you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. And who discovered him? It was more like they discovered him than we discovered him. Sometimes we overlook who we are (laughs) until they recognize us, you know? And I used to look back how a lot of. Blacks went to Europe to be recognized. And the first time I was recognized in 1987 for my contribution was by a European magazine. Hmm. Even in my store today, I got spread across the floor. All these magazines, all these European magazines and international magazines. And then I only have one magazine, Don Devers, that featured me. I didn't get recognized by African-American major media until two years ago. Ebony awarded me. Uh, um, Wait, you mean to tell me over
0: the span of a
1: 40-year career? Over the span of 40 years, I didn't get recognized by a major black publication until two years ago. Ebony recognized me. All the rest, when you look at all the magazines, all the international magazines, everything. You know what i mean? Mm -hmm. Because they didn't understand. I'm not faulting them, but people of color, black people, uppity black people, didn't understand what I was doing. What you were doing.
0: You don't strike me as a person that
1: still, like
0: holds a grudge about it. Like, do you happen to have a chip on your shoulder about that at all?
1: No, I don't. Be, uh, the reason I don't have a chip on my shoulder is because I don't have an identity crisis. <laughs> and let me explain to you what an identity crisis is. Dr. Henry Clark got me out of that. Mm. Dr., you know, I used to write for a radical newspaper, mm-hmm. and he came to the newspaper and he was explaining to us, and a, a student on the editorial board like myself asked Dr. Henry Clark, he said, well, if we're the first people on the planet, why are we going through what we're going through today? And he said, that's because of transgression that we made against ourselves before Europeans came into our life. Right. Mm. So when you talk about a chip on your shoulder, you know, you get angry if somebody does something to you. Right. right. You know, right. because, you know, that they did something, mm-hmm. but you're not as angry when you know that you allowed that to happen. Hmm. And so when Dr. Henry Clark opened my eyes to that, and I went to Africa and started studying Africa for myself, I realized what's happening, right? So uh, that same energy that was in my system when I had that identity problem was refunneled. I redirected that energy in a way that I say, well, I'm responsible for what happened to me Hmm. as a people, you know? So that. That don't mean I'm going to allow you to keep letting it happen. Yeah, but I'm aware. Yeah, but that identity thing, Hmm. that it's all your fault? Yeah. No. No. If you do something to me, if something happened, and I find out where it happened, it's up to me to correct why it happened. But it's not that it it continues to happen Mm -hmm. as long as we down here. It's continuing to happen. So I have to attack Hmm. those things that's making it happen. So I didn't have a chip on my shoulder. What I did was say, how can I change this situation? How can I
0: change the situation? Yeah. How I ain't going to run around. Forward. You're not going
1: to get me so angry that. I can't be me. <laughs> yeah. And I can't get the mission accomplished. Ah. You know? So when you got an identity card sir, problem, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it taints the way you approach how you should deal with it. Right? Right. And this is what a big part of my mission has been. What happened with me and Gucci? Right. Right. That's a prime example. So that's something
0: I want to ask you about. Right? But look what happened. Everybody's (laughs) angry. Yeah, everybody's upset, and you have a different perspective about it. And I'm looking at what happened. I
1: say, I'm glad it happened. (laughs) Y'all don't get this. But why? I'm glad it happened because it has created an opportunity to open the door. Hmm. Right. So if you have an identity crisis, you get upset and you say, I ain't messing with them no more. I'm not patronizing them no more. You don't look at the entire problem for what it is. Hmm. You understand? And so what I said was, let's get inside Hmm. and create opportunities. Not get mad and walk away,
0: you know? When you say walk away, right? So a lot of that topic around that time was boycott Gucci, don't buy Gucci, take money out of Gucci's pockets, put it elsewhere. Why do you think that was so wrong? You thought that was wrong because it, it would take away our ability to influence
1: luxury at the top? One of the things that I learned that when I went to Africa was what. when I was in Tanzania, mm-hmm. Nyeri was president. Mm-hmm. When I was in Kenya, Jomo Kenyatta was president. These were the founding fathers of these nations. Mm-hmm. What I noticed that they did, they had the Chinese building roads, you know, and then they had United States, help them with technology. So they used all the forces that worked against them. Hmm. They uh, manipulated them in a way that it would work for them. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I use that, you know, as a format to deal with corporate. Corporate. You know what I'm saying? So if you insult me, Hmm. you know, the crime was, we were insulting we people, insulted. Insulted. We felt insulted. Hurt. but how could I make that work to our advantage? Hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? I understand what you're so saying. So, you insulted me. So, open these doors and let, let us inside, let us grow with the inside. Mm-hmm. But when we walk away, we get nothing for hmm. the insult. Hmm.
0: That's you know? interesting. It's a similar sentiment to what Jay Z was yeah. saying about so the, when the China US. is yeah. building
1: these roads, now we know how to build roads. <laughs> You know We I mean? can learn All from the technology being within. that comes into these, comes in. One of the main things that I learned, and I started my business in the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. That was when all the brands and the corporations was moving offshore so they wouldn't have to pay us.
0: Right, they wanted to cheaper pay cheaper way. labor.
1: Now, I'm going to all these auctions when I'm starting my business, all the machines with sewing machines and, mm-hmm. and equipment, I'm buying, I'm buying them from auction. I say, damn, why are these businesses going out? But they moving offshore. Hmm so that they can get cheaper labor, right? right. But in the process, what happens? Hmm. The reason why we have no workers today, and we don't have a lot of people that understand how to build a brand, Mm -hmm. you know, from the ground up, the way I did, is because there was nobody there to show them. We didn't have have the ability to work in the industry Hmm. because all the industry moved offshore. Right. At the same time, it was moving to China, right? Mm -hmm. Now China, when all these industries moved to China, now China builds up the technology. Right. You know? And that's how China everything. got to be the way it was. Yes. Now, if we could have kept these, if we didn't let the unions keep pushing us to raise the salary, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so that it made it more profitable for the move, these mm-hmm. companies offshore, yeah. we would have knew how to operate <laughs> these companies, like China did. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? This a sacrificing, you don't have to sacrifice, to but, everything. but yeah. we would have learned. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we didn't learn that. We don't even know how to, to run the shop. You know what I mean? From the ground up. So I had to teach myself all of that. But at, during that time period, and I'm watching all these companies close and move over there, I'm going to these factories, and I'm buying the machines buying and, and leaving behind. <laughs> I still got some of them now. Wow. You know? Wow. So that's how we lose. So what I'm saying is just use that same mentality to get inside these brands, to see how they work. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So that we can be able to, you know, build brands ourselves the same way China, same China did. did. Thinking back
0: to that, that Gucci moment, right? That's a bit controversial. But I would say you had not really been shy of controversy ever in your career. And, and I think one of the moments I was joking with you about was the, the Mike Tyson, Mitch Green. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? But, you know, for the sake of the conversation, what was the lesson out of that? Tell me, you know, maybe recap a little bit about what happened. But then you took away a big lesson from that.
1: Yeah. Two big lessons. <laughs> the biggest lesson that I learned at that time was that um, because the brands saw what I was doing and they saw the power of what I was doing, mm-hmm. that's when I found out like, wow, I've really established something here. Yeah. So it was a double-edged sword. Mm. And one way it was cutting me down, but in the other way it was building me up. Yeah, this the know, because that's a was growing. growing. <laughs> when Mike Tyson had that fight in my store, that following Monday, on Monday Night Football, and the helicopter over the Yankee Stadium, cruising, talking about the football game, and they said, as a joke, look, down there somewhere is Dapper Dan's 24-hour boutique. <laughs> and they laughed about it. Huh. The next day, my landlord said, "How the hell did you get that advertisement? <laughs> Do you know what that would have cost?" Yeah, <laughs> you know. So looking back then, <laughs> it was it, it hurt, but the the power it brought, mm. you know, yeah. the power it brought. You right,
0: know? it brought visibility. Yes. Right, it had people talking. Yeah. And you yeah. couldn't, you know, yeah. you couldn't pay had? for that.
1: Yeah, people was coming from all over. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and the brand started to say. What the hell is a Dapper Dan? And that it was all over from that point. It was all the brand was
0: set right. It was like it was all over. You were you were on the map. Hip hop was really embraced you when other people didn't acknowledge, right? And you know you've always had this close tie with hip hop. Are you surprised to see where it's gone?
1: No, because. um I span generations. Hmm. So I've always seen what the music can do. Hmm. You know, I grew up in the Holy Ghost Church. I've seen, you know, Mahalia Jackson and the effect that we our culture has, you know. You know um, all doing the rock and jazz, rock and roll, all that. I've seen it all. Yeah. The only thing I'm mean, uh, that impresses me is social media giving us the platform so people know where it came from. Hmm. Knowing the origin. Yes. Yep. You know, so that's what impresses me. But... um. Surprise? No. It doesn't surprise me that somebody would pay for our ability to entertain them. Because <laughs> it always happens. Always happens. What surprises me is how we've been able to muscle our way into the industry because of that. Yeah. Because of the uh, technological changes, you know? Mm-hmm. So today, what pushed us forward is technology, technology. social media.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a game changer for, for creatives, right? Yes. For influence, to be able to have your own voice yeah, and, and not be censored.
1: That's right. right. And be a, yeah, exactly. So um, I always look to technology for answers to social problems.
0: When we return, Dapper Dan talks us through life after Gucci and the value of collaboration. What's up, Claim of Stories fam? If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard of Vistaprint, right? I mean, we've been doing a lot of incredible work together to inspire entrepreneurs of color. So we hope you're paying attention. Now, when it comes to printing things, and I mean just about anything for your business, whether it's stickers, t-shirts, tote bags, mugs, and even snapback hats, Vistaprint's got you. They print just about everything. So as you look for ways to help your small business stand out, think Vistaprint. The printabilities are endless at Vistaprint.com. Hey, it's Bima. Welcome back to the Claiming Stories podcast. Known for his creative approach, Dan takes us behind the curtain of how he translates culture.
1: The whole statement is, I do not dictate fashion, I translate culture. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, and how do you do that? Right. Often equated with the Harlem River. So I was born by the Harlem River. I used to swim in the Harlem River, right? But before we, I swim in the Harlem River, me and my friends, we would throw a popsicle in. Mm-hmm. You know, a popsicle in? Yeah. Because we would have to understand how the current is. Huh. You know? So the Harlem River, and where I was born at... Mm-hmm. It had a bank, and it had like a little, where you could walk down into the water. So we wanted to dive off the bank, off the dock, Mm -hmm. but we wanted to come out where you could walk out of the water (laughs) because of the strong currents. Mm. So we needed to understand which way the current was going. (laughs) So when we throw the popsicle in, we know which way to dive in exactly so we come out. And that's the same way when I talk about, you know, translating culture. It's just like the current. (laughs) You know, the Harlem River is always there, but it's always moving. You got to understand how to manipulate within the current. (laughs) And so when I say translate culture, I got to see which way the culture is going, you know? So when there's jazz age, I'm looking at how it is evolving. I'm looking at rock and roll, how it's evolving. (laughs) And I'm looking at hip hop, how it's evolving. I say, okay, this is what you want to look at. I throw that popsicle there. <laughs> Let, you know, see the pickle. I say, how do you want to look? Right. You know. Mm-hmm. I ask Eric B. and Rakim, how do you want to look? Hmm. You know. And I see how they want to look. Eric B. is a swag guy, so I swagged them out. Yeah. Rakim is into the nation. You know, five percent of nation. Right. So I said I'm like that. Jungle Brothers is into ethnocentric stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, liberation stuff. So I make them outfits in red, green, and black. Right. 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 You know. BDP is into roster rap, so I make them stuff into rapper rap. I do not dictate how they should look, mm. which is the problem with the fashion industry does.
0: You mean they try to tell people what to be versus?
1: Yes, they don't leave it, the door open for the culture to evolve on its own. Hmm. They want to direct the culture. Do mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the brands, like when they ran me, and this is all I ever did. Everybody who's ever come to me, all the hustlers, all the gangsters, all the entertainers, I always find out how do they feel about this stuff? What do they want to say? What do they want their look to be like yeah. that tells a story about who they are? <laughs> the moment they started, the brands raided me and I went underground, all that changed. All the minority brands that came after me, just think about them. I don't want to call them out. Yeah. Think about them. They did the cookie-cutter approach to fashion. They had everybody looking the same.
0: Yeah.
1: You know? And my approach has always been like Burger King.
0: Have it your way. Have it your <laughs> way. I love that. Because that's who we are. That's who we... Everybody was born with their own unique approach, their own unique story. And, and that's, when, that's when that's when it,
1: it dies. Really the same way those grands died mm-hmm. is the way the music will die. And the industry forces that on us, you know? Mm. They tell, they get a rapper to say, this has been working. Now they want the rapper to rap like that. Okay. <laughs> you know, the, the moment you start dictating culture, you kill it. Hmm. You have an affinity for
0: artists like Tupac and Nipsey Hussle.
1: Yes. Do you
0: feel like they were able to carve out their own and not get caught up in being dictated to by the labels?
1: It's bigger than that. Mm -hmm. Who they were, Mm -hmm. and I'm hoping all the young people understand, who they were is bigger than that. What they personified was the light and dark side of the culture. They were a bright light. Both of them were a bright light. And I only wish that they had somebody around them that went through what I went through, and that had an influence on them. Okay, let's, so let's talk about what that is, right? Mm-hmm. When you look at Tupac and his revolutionary spirit, the stuff that he was talking about, right. it's amazing. But when then you look at the other side, the gangster side, mm-hmm. so that represents the culture. So you got a light side and a dark side. Yeah. If you don't have an elder, to show you how to navigate that dark side, you'll be consumed it consumes you. by the dark side. And why is he here? He wasn't killed. Yeah. You know, it's the dark side of the culture that destroyed him. Hmm. You know what wow. I'm saying? Yeah. It's the dark side, you know? If he could have got away from the dark side, just think what he would be today. <laughs> yeah? And with Nipsey, the same thing. He was on the way. These two guys, these are phenomenal guys. Nipsey was on his way, right? Mm-hmm. And then he was consumed by the dark side of the culture. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the answer to that is, once you see the light and you see your mission, walk away from the dark side. Have no contact. When I change my life, first thing I do, I, all my gangster friends, all mm-hmm. that, say, I'm not accepting your phone calls. I'm not doing nothing. Wow. You know, because they draw you back into that. The next thing you know, you're more immersed in that (laughs) than you are for the positive side of your mission. Was it difficult for you to walk away from those relationships? No, it wasn't because I'm the last generation that had elders that would explain that I learned about life from. And, like, it just wasn't there for these younger guys. And it's not there now for young guys, you know what I'm saying? But, like, if you have a lot to offer and you have this... This light side, an elder got to tell you, say, listen, if somebody come up to me, right? uh, You know, I got all kind of friends, right? (laughs) They can't tell me about nobody snitching, Hmm. you know? And I like to equate this with the story a lot, right? God told lot. He said, listen, leave here. You know, I'm getting ready to destroy this. Here. Leave here, Lot, and take your family and leave. Mm-hmm. Don't turn back. But Lot's wife turned back and turned the stone. Hmm. The symbolism behind that is like, when you walk away from that dark side, don't look back. Hmm. You know? You know, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God, what is God. Hmm. So when once you understand, you know, what the light and the dark side is, you walk away from that, you know what I'm So somebody come tell you about like, somebody come, oh my God, say, Yo, Dab, you know that, you know that, that what's her name? Is a snitch? He's snitching, he's doing. It. I say, man, listen, man, all I can do is give him a hug. <laughs> you know I me? Mean? I'm not gonna sit in judgment over the dark side. Yeah. I'm not gonna have nothing to do to with do the with dark this. side. You hear everybody to say, if you cross over that line. And you, for the people, mm-hmm. don't talk about that. Don't sit in judgment for that. Mm-hmm. Don't be sending messages over there like, oh, so-and-so is a snitch. If you over here and you're trying to help the people, leave that leave alone. Leave that alone. You know? Mm-hmm. Let that render unto that what is, that has coming. And that's the side that implodes. Do mm-hmm. you follow what I'm saying? I follow what you're leave, saying. You got to walk away and leave that. Leave, Completely leave that. Because if you embrace that, you become a part of that. You know what i mean? Yeah. And that's what was happening to me. I'm waiting on all these gangsters. My whole clientele is gangsters. And one day I woke up, I say, man, they was kidnapping people right in front of my store. Wow. So they kidnapped a boudikwa friend of mine mm-hmm. and right in front of the store, one of the Africans wanted to run down with a gun. I said, hold up, hold up, hold up. Now my judgment is like, wait a minute. That's what they chose. Yeah. We can't get involved. That's what I told them. Hmm. The next week, they tried to kidnap me. I resisted and got shot. I got a bullet in the base of my neck. Wow. And I came to the realization, like, you cannot be in it. Listen carefully. You cannot be in it and not of it. Mm. Right. If you
0: in the mix, you are in the mix. Yeah,
1: you in the mix. So if you embracing anything that has to do with that, you part of that.
0: Right. And you a part of what comes along. So if you
1: cross over here and you trying to do good things over here and you hear about somebody's a snitch over there and you go say, y'all man, y'all need to do something to that snitch, you ain't left there.
0: Hmm. He's still in the mix. So you had no choice. You had to leave. Like it had to be a clean exit. I say no. Yeah.
1: I say, that's it. That's it, that's it. You know? Ain't no neutral. There's no (laughs)
0: neutral. He's like, no neutral. I'm on the other side.
1: Yeah, you either on this side or that side, man. Hmm.
0: Segwaying a little bit. I wanna talk to you about what you have coming up with Puma, right? And so Puma has this platform called For All Time, right? And the focus of it is this theme called classic. When you think about it, what what does classic mean to you when you think about your work and you think about how you you approach translating culture? What does classic mean to Dapper Dan?
1: To me, when John Coltrane did his version of my favorite things. <laughs> that's how you take classic and bring it into the 21st century.
0: Yeah.
1: You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You just give it more excitement, more energy, mm-hmm. but you maintain what it's worth, what it feels like. Yeah. You know? And so that's my mission with Puma. Yeah. You know I me mean? To take a classic and build on what it is. Build on it, right. But let it reflect today. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. let it reflect the generation now.
0: So yeah, like when you think about how do you modernize it for today, right? And for you, like, it, it's not just simple as one thing, right? You want to do multiple things. Yeah. How do you do that today, right? How do you raise that up?
1: Oh, uh, I look at it like, um, it had to do like when I used to go buy fabric, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that I was doing it. Young people probably don't use really that I, I go to fabric and I find these places nobody been before, these jobbers where they buy fabric, and they have hundreds of different fabrics by the yard. If they buy from the manufacturer. If it don't sell, these guys, the jobbers got buy it. it. Yeah, they got yeah. all this unique So I would go material. there, right, and um, flash my monies up. <laughs> they just let me walk around. And what the guy noticed about me, I'd be standing in front of a roll of fabric, and I'd be there like an hour. He said, do you realize you've been there an hour? <laughs> He said, only you and my wife i ever seen do that. He said, you guys, y'all don't see the fabric. Hmm. Y'all see the garment in the fabric. Hmm. You hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hmm. So that's the vision I bring to fashion, right? I look at something, the same way I did with the symbols. Yes. You know, with Logomania, I look at them and I look and I see what they can be. Hmm. Logomania has... It's still the same symbols, mm-hmm. but I took them to a level where they'd never been used like that before. Right.
0: You had a whole different vision for them.
1: Yeah, whole <laughs> bit. but the symbols didn't change. Just the way they reflected has changed. Mm. So I tell young people, just just look, because you're going to reflect. Your eyes are only your eyes if you free yourself up mm. from what somebody else is thinking and just see for yourself. See what you would do with it with that.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Don't be looking to see what's yeah. happening, you know, exactly. what somebody else is doing. It's like, how would you approach it? Yeah. Speaking of that, so what's a part of the, the collection with Puma? Are there any kind of different garments that you can give us a little insight to that, that oh, you... Oh, yeah.
1: Let me tell you the fun part of Puma, right? And I told him this would have to be, right? I say, Puma, um, I have to be in Harlem, hmm. number one. So what does that say? That says, Dapper Dan in Harlem, automatically says something.
0: Oh, it's already, it's yeah, already a something. message. <laughs> and that's what I'm
1: bringing it to it. Well, here's what I'm going to it. I want to elevate this. I want to use, I want to give it more color, mm-hmm. you know? But the main thing I want to do is elevate the brand. Mm-hmm. I want to take the brand and make it more luxurious. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Is what I've always did, you know? But luxurious in our way, you know? And Puma gave me that freeway, you know? and so like with a hoodie. The hoodies, you see the hoodies, right? Yeah, the Gap hoodies. Yeah, you see the Gap hoodies, right? Gap. <laughs> and you see these guys wearing hoodies. Yes. The hoodie's been stigmatized, mm. you know? You see a black guy right? or, or Latino with a hoodie, they automatically, it's stigmatized. Already, yeah. already a criminal. So I say, well, how can I raise the ball on that? Mm. You know? Mm. So when I do my hoodies, I wear them with an yeah, or a silk scarf, yeah. you know, so automatically now I have created another platform and another way of seeing a person of color hmm. in a hoodie. It's a different so they association. Can't, they, and so I take the stigma out of what we look like and who we are with a hoodie. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So like, it was a time that I wouldn't, people say, they see me on 121st 21st with sneakers. Dap. you got on sneakers? <laughs> you know what yeah. so I mean? So now, with Puma, I get a chance to elevate the game. Now I'm gonna have outfits that match the sneakers, like it's never been Are done Are you, do, you gonna
0: do sneakers too? And I'm
1: gonna wear sneakers. Come yes, on.
0: Yes. <laughs> I'm
1: gonna wear sneakers, you know. Cause uh, and I learned that from like when I used to have my table on 125th Street. Mm-hmm. But I learned about people of color like they come on. Yo, dap man. Them outfits is crazy dope, right? <laughs> <laughs> they fire. But wait, let me see if I can find the shoes. Let me see if I the can. Or the sneakers. Yeah, you know? make it work. So. People of color, we build from the feet up. Yes. So I'm gonna pay a whole lot of attention, you know what I mean, to the style of the thinker. But I'm gonna pay close attention to this concept of how to keep it classic. Mm-hmm. You know, man, I don't wanna overgeneralize it. Right. You know get right, what right, I'm right, saying? Right, yeah. But keep it classic, but raise the bar at the same time. That's my mission at, at Puma.
0: How important is accessibility when you're you're doing these collaborations now, like? Is it important for you that folks from Harlem
1: can get it? Cause right, like that is the biggest man. That is, I'm so grateful for that. Puma's given me that opportunity. Being with Gucci was an amazing inroad for all of us for what I did, and I was that lasted four years. But I always wanted the community Mm -hmm. to feel like um, they had a part of me. Yeah, and I knew that like most people couldn't afford. The Gucci, especially me, I'm making, you know, Gucci their way. And um, so I used to, like, every day I ride the bus, I ride the train, I stand on the corner. So the people know they're part of me. Like, hmm. God see me on the train, too, because i want to say, Dap, man, I never thought I'd see you on the train, man. I say, I'm on the train so I can see you. Wow. So that, you know? Wow. And uh, at one point, they was, Dap, you ain't going down there, right? When they see me going down the subway, they say, no, I came from down there. I ain't going to stop going <laughs> now. ain't
0: going to stop going now.
1: Yeah, so I park my car, walk around Harlem, everywhere. You know what I mean? You see me anywhere. I'm approachable. I see that. But now, hmm. because of Puma, I have the opportunity now so they can wear a part of me yeah. instead of just speaking to me because I'm going to speak and engaging me. me right. because I'm going to engage. <laughs> yeah, you can go now, talk to them. even if I'm not there, they got me. They got, right, and they yeah. got the message that you, yes. you're trying to drive. Yeah, so that's the most thankful parts of me being, mm-hmm. you know, part of the, uh, the Puma collaboration. Puma
0: collaboration, yeah. When, you know, you, over the past couple of years, right, you're one to one with the brands now, right? It's not, the shunning is not there in that regard. Do you ever have aspirations of uh, a Dapper Dan ready to wear line type of thing where it's just you, right, independent of, of those or Without the other. Without, without the other, yeah. Well,
1: let me tell you how I felt about that, right? This is what's important, and what I've always, the reason why you've never seen a dabadan, Dan, because I come from the bottom, so I know what would happen.
0: Mm. What do you, you mean know, by I've that? been
1: in the bootleg world. I know what the bootleg world went by. If I come out with a dabadan Dan and don't have global distribution, mm. I'm dead. Gotcha. You know, the bootleggers are gonna make more money than me. <laughs> If you don't have global distribution, one of the first lessons I learned, you know, when I was doing the uh, collection with Gucci, I said, man, I said, we getting ready to do collections, you know, I said, man, they gonna knock us off. He said, that ain't gonna be but a drop in the bucket. (laughs) You are gonna be global. You know, the Dapper Dan collection with Gucci was everywhere in the world at the same time. Wow. So I don't mind people knocking me off. I know that's how the game is, Mm. but don't knock me out. So if you don't have global distribution yeah. and you come out with a brand and it gets popular, they're gonna knock you out the box. They, gonna, mm-hmm. they will sell around the world more than you could sell. Because <laughs>
0: you don't have the infrastructure. Because you tell. don't have,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. the global distribution. So that's the important part. And that's, With all the industries is working that way, a lot of times you think the industry, like you see brands popular,
0: mm-hmm.
1: brands by minorities, but the structure, it's still by the uh, power structure is still in control with distribution, and that's the important part. That's the important know? part. So that's why you never see it. Now, going forward, you will see a there, damn. Mm. It would have to be in a partnership, a distribution, a distribution partnership, partnership, would have made someone who could take me global. Right, right.
0: Yeah. Do you get offended by seeing your products bootleg? Like, have you, Like, is that offensive to you at all? Or is it just like, you know, can you not really hate on it?
1: <laughs> um, you never curse the hand that fed you. Hmm. You know, so I don't, I don't get mad. You know? Yeah. I don't get mad. I said, long as I can override it, I ain't gonna bother. Me. I was, in, I ain't gonna tell you the city. I was in one city <laughs> when, the, when the Dapper Dan collection came out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They had more Dapper Dan in there than I had in my atelier. <laughs> <laughs> they was hiding when I walked in, and God took me in there. I said, I ain't gonna say nothing, man, you know? They was hiding from me. <laughs> he ain't gonna call the police on me, you. Know? So I know how the game go, man. I come from the bottom, Yeah. you know?
0: Yeah. For other folks, you know, we speak to a lot of uh, young aspirational creatives and designers. And, you know, you, you the guy. Like, we've seen you for years, and now we're seeing you at a place that's even more visible. And I know you like to give games, so I wanted to ask you, what advice would you have for some
1: of these young people coming up
0: Well, it depends
1: on what stage you're in. Mm -hmm. But, like, somebody come up to me brand new, and this is what I tell them. The first thing I tell them is that you have to ask yourself. The first question, when you say you want to get into the clothes game, the first question you should ask yourself is, why should somebody want to buy something from me? Hmm. That's the first question. Hmm why should someone want to buy something from me, right? Mm -hmm. And then the second thing you do is create a reason for them to want to buy it from you. (laughs) So in my trajectory of building up who Dapper Dan is, I was Dapper Dan before I opened Dapper Dan's, you know? So the people in the hood who knew me, knew me from the hood and everything that I did in the hood, so I already had this certain kind of, Mystic magic taking place, right? Right. So a lot of these guys coming out with t-shirts, once now with fancy saying and slogans, but nobody has a reason to want to buy Don't from to them. Buy. Your slogan and all of that, you know, yeah. it, it, it doesn't reason for that. I try and I try to tell people, it's like there's no right or wrong in fashion. There's a weak and a strong in fashion. Strong people control the direction of fashion. I don't care how creative you are, you know what I mean? I don't care how good a singer you are. If you can't get somebody to pick you up, you're dead. Hmm. You know, and that's the sad thing about what's going on now. You know, and worse than that, if you post your song or your lyrics or stuff like that, you might get knocked off before you can before even before you can gone.
0: even get yeah. the return on it. And the same
1: <laughs> way with fashion, you put your stuff online, you're gonna see it. You know?
0: Yeah. There's fast fashion companies that can turn yeah. it around overnight. So
1: you have to create that platform, but there's brands that and then One thing I was saying, um, the good thing about um, Alexandra Michelle, mm-hmm. what he's doing is like young designers who are posting stuff. If it's interesting enough, he'll call them in and do a collaboration with them. As wow. a result of people seeing what happened with, with me, yeah. the brands woke up, hmm. you know what I mean? So the brands woke up, they say, well, you know, everybody knows now where it's coming from. So if we see these young people from the inner cities and they got in town, let's just take them on. Uh, a prime example would be Gucci Ghosts. Yeah. You know, they did that with Gucci Ghosts, and you see it all the time. You know, you got plucked straight from the underground. Mm-hmm. You know, every, after they saw what the impact that I had, so well, you know, the doors open. Now. One of the look, one of the most exciting pictures and moments of my life. Like I took a picture with Tom Ford. And Alexander and Michelle, you can go <laughs> online to the Gucci line, senior. And Alexander and Michelle says, in the caption, "Now everybody knows where my secret garden is."
0: Whew.
1: But people of color, they don't get that. But us who climb that ladder, we say, "Wow, there it is. There it's it is. possible."
0: There it is. You know. The whole time. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know. Yeah. So there's a secret garden out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Secret but what people of, of color have to do is, man, develop from yourself. Mm. You know what I mean? 35, almost 40 years now since the introduction by myself of Logomania. Yep. You still see guys doing what I did oh, 35, still, 40 years ago. All, alive all over the world. Well. <laughs> you see the rappers still rapping. What does that mean? That means they're stuck, hmm. they're too preoccupied with going to the past. Instead of going to the future. So if you lay down in the past, you sleep through the future.
0: That was Dapper Dan, the Original Culture Translator. Find out more about Dan and get access to all of our episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review us. Stay up to date with our latest news following us on Instagram at Stories, or you can reach out with a message at hello at Our show this week is produced by BJ Fregoso, Pervy Patel, Natalie Yazzie, Jericho Trim, and the team over at DB Podcasts. Original music provided by Adrian Anaya and vocals provided by Rossella. Special thanks to Jordan Dinwiddie, Cena Clark, Clint Blaine, and Damian Mitchell. I'm Bima, and you've been listening to the Claim Stories podcast, powered by Vista.